0: The number two man at the FBI calls it quits. A controversial and classified memo could soon go public. And a big moment nears for President Trump. This is the State of America Tonight.
1: Andrew McCabe is out. He's no longer the deputy director of the FBI. We do have another... A shoe that is dropped
2: in this Russia matter. I think the American people deserve to make decisions about the contents of the memo themselves.
3: Nobody has seen the memo at the White House.
2: The document is extremely misleading.
4: I don't know what's in the memo. Having read this memo, I think it would be appropriate that the public has full view of it.
3: President Trump will deliver his first State of the Union address tomorrow.
5: Aides say he's going to put aside his typically more combative tone and strike one that's more
0: of compromise and bipartisanship. When he is teleprompter Trump, when he can stay on message, then I think he can do well. Hello, I'm Kirsten Powers, live in New York, in for Kate Baldwin, and this is State of America. We can begin with some breaking news at the FBI where Andrew McCabe, the deputy director, has resigned weeks ahead of his expected March retirement.
1: We had heard that he was considering leaving early because he had accumulated uh, some leave time and so he can use that uh, to leave early, essentially. So for whatever reason, uh, he announced today that today will be his last day uh, as the deputy director, uh, but he won't officially retire uh, until march uh, when his leave runs out
0: mccabe who told fbi staff that the decision was his own has been a frequent target of the trump white house there have been twitter jabs by the president and jeff sessions pressured the current fbi director to remove him but white house press secretary sarah sanders last hour said the trump administration had nothing to do with it The president stands by his previous comments, but in terms of the uh, situation today, as I just said, we've seen the reports just as all of you have. We don't have any specific comments, and I would refer you to the FBI for any specifics uh, on the things that are taking place today. And McCabe's departure comes as the House Intel Committee could vote to release a classified memo on the FBI.
5: This memo alleges serious misconduct on behalf of the Department of Justice and the FBI towards the Trump campaign and according to this latest reporting from the New York Times, it specifically says that the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein is the one who approved that extension of surveillance for the former Trump campaign aide and foreign policy advisor Carter Page.
0: Democrats claim the memo written by Devin Nunes, a Republican congressman and a former Trump transition official, is just the latest attempt to undermine Robert Mueller's investigation. But a White House official says that this is just about ensuring responsibility at a key agency.
3: It could send a message of accountability. It could shed light on allegations that have existed for some time.
0: Let's get right to the very busy day at the Justice Department. Joining me now, CNN political director David Chalian. David, um, look, we knew that McCabe was going to retire, but we just didn't expect it to happen so soon, right? Uh,
6: That's exactly right. And and Kirsten, I mean, uh, I don't think anybody is surprised that Andrew McCabe is not a welcome figure in the Trump administration. Uh, You noted the tweets earlier, President Trump has made his dislike for McCabe uh, quite clear. In fact, uh, just recently, he was boasting uh, to reporters about how Andrew McCabe used to be the star of his campaign trail speeches because he constantly brought his name up uh, because of his wife's run for office at a state uh, a state level office in Virginia where she received $500,000 from Terry McAuliffe, then the governor of Virginia's PAC. And as you know, Terry McAuliffe is closely tied uh, to the Clinton. So Donald Trump would bring up McCabe all the time to sort of question his... Um, his truthfulness, his unbiased position as deputy director at the FBI.
0: Right. And he he's even said, I think, recently something about them, basically, Hillary and Terry McAuliffe being essentially the same person. But that's not quite right,
6: is it? Well, no, obviously, <laughs> clearly that's not right. Um, uh, they are different. And in fact, the money here involved was about Terry McAuliffe's PAC money going to Andrew right. McCabe's wife's run, uh, actually having nothing to do uh, with Hillary Clinton in the, in the uh, issue of these funds. And McCabe also has made clear, right, he, he made his... Retirement intentions quite clear for the last several weeks, if not months, uh, that he was on his way out the door. So you have a uh, an administration that doesn't want him and he doesn't really want to be there. And so today uh, seems to have come the moment where uh, he says, I'm out of here. I'm going to use my leave and I will collect my full retirement come March.
0: Yeah. And I know CNN's been reporting. Uh, Jim Acosta was reporting earlier that it, by all accounts, it looks like he was he was pushed you know, out. Um, but the White House is isn't is denying that. Uh, wh- what do we think really happened here?
6: Well, the White House is only denying that President Trump was involved uh, in he, in the decision-making process here. Um, I've not heard them deny uh, that uh, anybody in Justice or uh, the FBI Director Ray may have said to him, uh, "It's time to go." Some of our reporting indicated that Ray had a conversation with him and said, uh, "I'm." putting my team together. You're clearly not going to be part of that team. So you've got to make the next move. Uh, Jim Acosta reported that was a conversation that Ray had with McCabe. uh, So I guess the writing was on the wall for him.
0: All right. Thank you very much, David Chalian.
6: Sure. Thank you.
0: And all of this is coming as President Trump prepares to deliver his first State of the Union address Tuesday night. He gave us a preview today.
1: We worked on it hard, cover a lot of territory, including our great success with the markets and with the tax cut. And it's a big speech, an important speech. We cover immigration.
0: CNN's Dan Merica is at the White House. Hi, Dan. Um, Hi there. What what are we hearing uh, that the president's going to say tomorrow night?
4: It seems like it's going to be a speech that balances looking back at the last year, which Trump has a lot to be proud of. He's always going to talk about the economy, as he often does. He'll talk about the stock market for sure. And a speech that looks to sell America on what he wants to do, For the next year. Now, that's where things get tough for him. We are told that immigration is going to be a key aspect of this speech, that the president is going to use the bully pulpit and kind of the grandeur of the moment in his first State of the Union address to sell that immigration plan that his administration rolled out last week. Now, it was met immediately with criticism both from the left and from the right. Democrats did not support what he wants to do with the wall, with tightening uh, immigration laws. Republicans did not like the way he treated DACA recipients in that bill. So he's going to try and use this speech to bring them together. That's a that's a hard, a, a tough thing to sell during the state of the union as both sides will stand up at different moments when they support uh, what he is saying. That will be very evident. The divide will be very evident during that speech. He will also, we're told, uh, talk about infrastructure, a plan he wants to propose in the coming months to sell as something that could bring Democrats and Republicans together in this midterm election year. Uh, That also has been something the president has promised for really for months now, ever since he took office and hasn't yet to roll out. So it's kind of the the, the bill that is always the next one up. And the president says and his, his, his advisors say that that will come also in this State of the Union address. Uh, Sarah Sanders was asked today if she could finish the sentence, the State of our Union is. That's a very traditional sentence that many presidents have used during these addresses. And her word of choice was incredible.
0: Kirsten. <laughs> okay, well, that gives us a taste for uh, what we'll be seeing tomorrow <laughs> night. Thanks a lot, Dan.
4: Thanks.
0: And politics and pop music collided at this year's Grammys. Amidst all the music, musical performances and big-name celebrities, one of the president's favorite Twitter targets appeared. He had
6: a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's.
4: Nobody knew he was coming, and the food was safely pre-made. That's it. We've got it. That's the one. You think so? Oh, yeah. The Grammys in the bag? In the bag.
0: Clinton joined John Legend, Cher, and others in reading excerpts of the book Fire and Fury. But while the crowd may have loved it, one top Trump official did not. Nikki Haley tweeting, I have always loved the Grammys, but to have artists read the Fire and Fury book killed it. Don't ruin great music with trash. Some of us love music without the politics thrown in. For its part, the White House says it doesn't know if the White House watched the show or not. And coming up, a shakeup at the FBI, the deputy director stepping down earlier than expected. Could this be related to the classified memo from House Republicans about FBI behavior? The panel joins me next. shake shakeup at the country's top law enforcement agency, the deputy director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, stepping down abruptly. One source calling it unexpected. The panel tonight, Joe Borelli, Republican New York City Councilman, Matt Bennett, Democratic strategist and vice president of, and co-founder of Third Way, Evan Siegfried, Republican strategist and author of GOP GPS, and Aaron Gloria Ryan, senior editor at The Daily Beast. So I guess we'll start with the McCabe news. Um, Matt, we knew that he was going to be retiring in March, and so he's leaving about a month and a half early, I guess. Um, what, uh, I mean, what, is, is this news, I guess,
2: is a question? Uh, certainly is news. The question is why. We don't really know yet. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders says that the White House had nothing to do with this, which is preposterous. Of course, the White House had everything to do with this. The president has been attacking McCabe publicly for over a year and, and uh, even more lately. So there's no question that pressure from the president caused this. It could be another brick in the wall of an obstruction case that Mueller's putting together, but whatever the reason, it's going to involve Trump in some way.
1: Do you agree with that? Well, yeah, I don't think that that's the case at all, right? We had Andrew McCabe planning to retire in March, Something has to happen between now and March if someone suddenly resigns without telling anyone, walks into their office in an executive board meeting, and tells everyone at the FBI he's leaving. The only thing that probably happened, or the thing we know that happened over the weekend, is Christopher Wray went and viewed this memo. Uh, and for Democrats who've been playing connect the dots with Russian collusion uh, for uh, you know, the past five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months, there's a lot of more dots here uh, about some corruption at the FBI. I, I don't know.
3: I think you're saying dots, and it's really just a random, ass- or, and you're just drawing random lines. Whatever meant, smoke, fire, whatever meant it was. First of all, I think Matt is right that look, Andrew McCabe's position became untenable because he is having his name out there every single day, and he couldn't focus and do his job as deputy director. So maybe he thought it was in the best interest of the Bureau. We still don't know. But what you're talking about with Christopher Wray going to see the memo, you have to remember that the memo is written by Devin Nunez. He is the one who wrote it. It's his opinion. So we don't, uh, everybody's saying, let's release the memo, but they won't release the information that he used to derive that. Mm-hmm. If I tell you that it's raining outside, are you still going to go out and say, well, I should look outside and make sure it's still well, raining?
5: Before,
0: before we get to the memo, and we are going to get to the memo, Aaron, I just want your take on, on this. I, because I think, you know, it was reported earlier on CNN that he was essentially, McCabe was essentially pushed that mm-hmm. he was informed he'd no longer be sort of on the team, which is kind of a strange thing to do
5: right before somebody retires, right? Right. I mean, why do you have to go out of the way to let them know they're not on the team? Right. I think it's interesting, and I think everybody's reaction to this story is a reflection of our kind of strange national mood right now. (laughs) Like, nobody believes when Sarah Huckabee Sanders says the president had nothing to do with it because we just assume everything that they say is something that is designed to protect or bolster the president, not necessarily based in truth. Um, We also, you know, don't know what's happening within the FBI, but we're all so spooked that everybody's willing to believe the worst. And and that, to me, is uh, kind of the big 500-mile picture here, is that yeah. we, there's so, so much trust in institutions has been eroded that this this could be something very simple, but everybody wants to imagine that it could be the very worst thing. That's a thing. great point. That's a really great point. And, and, and to
0: the point of the erosion of the institutions, whether it's the media and, and now the FBI, that... Is that what's going on with this memo? I mean, supposedly they're going in this memo is something that undermines Rod Rosenstein, right? What what is it? What is this about needing to basically delegitimize every person associated with this investigation?
2: Yeah, look, I think I think that is exactly right. This is all about delegitimization. And what's going to be the result of this memo is the further, if it is indeed possible, the further delegitimization of Congress, Mm -hmm. because it is a political memo written by a political guy. Don't forget, Devin Nunes was supposed to be recused from all this stuff. (laughs) Somehow he's back involved in this case which is insane yep. and he has put together a memo that he didn't let other republicans read and or the uh, FBI or the mm-hmm. FBI oh, and now wants yeah. to release over the objection of the justice I, I just want to
0: ask you this quickly cuz we don't have that much time I you know I've been following politics for a long time and Matt you can probably back me up on this it used to be that Republicans loved the FBI, and they loved law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and, like, when did the FBI become this hyper-biased, liberal. like, <laughs> even just forget liberal, just this idea that they're so untrustworthy. It's well, well, just, t- so it's just, It really just happened all of a sudden. Take I, it, the memo it's out of it.
1: Let's take the memo out of it for a second. Who pressured Peter Strzok and Lisa Page to go out and have text messages basically. But they, but they were fired. But, Just but, answer but my basically question. Basically alleging. But, but the, this is this. This goes to the erosion of credibility of the FBI. You have two but, but you But the FBI, FBI was already being involved.
0: discredited long before those texts came out. I mean, we can have a whole separate conversation on the text. My point is that the idea that the, the, this, this whole skill effort by the Trump administration and by now members of Congress. And I'm not saying the FBI is above reproach. I don't think they are. I think you can criticize them. I'm just saying Republicans have always treated the FBI as kind of sacrosanct. Well, I, I and now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe overnight they just became to this... To date,
1: there is more evidence or on its face yeah. that the FBI had more problems than Trump did with anything to do with... Right. Well, hold on, hold on. We <laughs> had, we had
3: <laughs> as a party, we would stand up to... Law enforcement. We'd say Blue Lives Matter, but now we've put an asterisk on it in the past 12 months because they are going after the one person in the Republican Party who has built a cult of personality around himself. They matter unless they're going after us. Listen, I've worked with federal law enforcement for many years, and they are some of the most upstanding people. They are not pro-Clinton people. Mm -hmm. I know many FBI people. (laughs) They're not exactly big fans of Trump, but I think that they can separate uh, that and do their job. And to Mueller's credit, he got rid of Peter Strzok the second he learned about that. That's about integrity. So I think that we are seeing Mueller's investigation being the height of integrity.
0: We're getting the music. All right, everybody, hold it. Uh, we'll be right back. Coming up Hillary Clinton under fire for letting a former campaign advisor keep his job. We'll tell you why next. I was disappointed by that. Uh, tweet, that response. uh, It was the wrong call. Uh, I wish she had said it was the wrong call. I wish she had said, you know, having to do it over, I would have fired him. I think that's actually true. I I believe that she thinks that um, if I had to do it over again, I, I would fire him. That was Hillary Clinton's then campaign manager, Patty Salise Doyle, speaking earlier on CNN. Uh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton is under fire for protecting a man accused of sexual harassment during her 2008 presidential bid, overruling Doyle's recommendation to fire him. Clinton addressed the reports via Twitter, saying she was, quote, dismayed when the harassment occurred, but was heartened the young woman came forward, was heard, and had her concerns taken seriously and addressed. Back to the
5: panel, Erin, um, dying to know what you think about this. Um, well, I think a lot of things about this, actually. Um, I think this this situation brings into relief the way that the conversation should go and the reason that the conversation around sexual harassment has not gone the way that it should go for a long time. The way that the conversation should go is that people that care about this should take an honest look at themselves and their own pasts and acknowledge when they've made mistakes and acknowledge how they've grown. Um, and then on the other side, you know, the other side of that is people, you know, not condemning somebody completely irreparably for having made mistakes in the past. I'm personally disappointed with the way that Hillary Clinton responded to this. Um, I don't think that we get to have it both ways where we cheer victims for coming forward and then also don't really enact any punishment on the people that they came forward against. You you don't get both of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am disappointed in Hillary Clinton, but I do think that people are capable of growth and that we have to give people room to grow if we expect to make any progress on this. But
0: So, Matt, I guess my my feeling about that is this was 2008. It wasn't 1950. I mean, Hillary Clinton is this woman's leader, feminist. Why would she not know that this was not okay?
2: It's a mystery. I couldn't agree more with Erin. She made the wrong call. Patty was right about that. She should have fired him. It was uh, not close, right. and this was a terrible mistake. And, and I don't know why she made the wrong decision, but uh, she should have apologized for it now because in this moment, when people have been looking to her as a leader, um, she had the responsibility of saying clearly that she did the wrong thing then. So I think she's made the mistake twice. Yeah,
0: and, I, and, and she doesn't seem – it would be nice, I think, if she was a little more contrite. Right. I mean, I, I feel like in this tweet, she still was sort of not yeah, really right. admitting. Well, like she, she didn't did accept
3: wrong. responsibility yeah. no. at all. And that was very disappointing. On a moral level, not a political level. And yeah. she is now essentially like Michigan State in that they knew about Larry Nassar and the abuse he was subjecting women to, and she allowed it by not punishing yes, him. Yeah,
0: slightly different and, scale. I, wouldn't I would say, say well, yeah. But
3: <laughs> I would say at the same time, yeah. I found it very odd that she would still go to the Grammys or appear at the Grammys yeah. reading a book by an author who is accused. UN ambassador yes. of having an affair with the president, <laughs> yeah. and that is absolutely disgusting, and being no basis for it. But she'd read it and think it's funny. Well, that's I think a perfect, she would...
0: perfect segue into yep. our next topic, which I, I gather a lot of Trump supporters, <laughs> a bunch of Trump supporters, um, you know, are pretty unhappy with the appearance of, of, of uh, former Secretary of State and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton last night. Um, what's your take on
1: it? Look, you know, it's not just Trump supporters that are getting upset about it. It was 20 percent of their ratings had disappeared in one year from the last Grammys to now. Uh, And I I think, you know, this weekend, uh, Will Farrell was on Saturday Night Live, uh, and he came out there and he did his George Bush impression, uh, and it was actually funny. And it was a nice reminder of a simpler time when, you know, (laughs) celebrities made fun of our politicians in good taste and in good spirits. And, you know, SNL was a lot better back then, and the Grammys and music it, and I don't even understand. Like, I mean,
0: <laughs> I watched it. I actually thought it was kind of insulting to Bush, treated him like he was really dumb, and I guess it just wasn't about Trump. And so you don't. No, have a no, no, no. With I, it. Mean, I was, look, I was but a Bush fan. No, I, but, I, yeah, but I, it
5: I was just. I have dabbled a little bit in in comedy and journalism, and 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 that, and I've I've noticed something in pop culture in the last year or so. People have gone insane about <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump. They're incapable right. of honestly making things that are actually funny because they're too angry to be funny. And I thought the Grammys, even though I I didn't catch the whole thing, the Grammys was really fully enmeshed in their, their Trump insanity. That they, they weren't able to separate <laughs> yeah. themselves enough to be funny and lighthearted and culturally relevant in a way that felt fresh and new. It just felt angry and suffocating. And I, I was a little disappointed.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I do also wonder if um, this would never actually happen, but if at the Grammys, they got up and read a book that was written about Barack Obama that was filled with all sorts of salacious accusations, including that he had an affair with his UN ambassador who was sleeping her way to the top and they were reading from it i feel like there'd be a slightly different reaction from people no
2: question i think i think our side has to be clear that when we would flip out over that rightly um and and we always make the kind of false equivalence. if obama did this you know every place would be on fire that's often true but it's it's true on the other side as well and uh people need to um do things in good taste i will say to aaron though satire may be dead it is very difficult to <laughs> satirize so this president because he routinely lies and because he's you know eroding norms it's it's totally different than Bush who we just didn't like on policy grounds uh, mm. on the left
0: yeah what are your big thoughts on this <laughs> I,
3: I think that satire is still alive I think it's just Comedy is evolving itself in a different way where it's a little bit meaner. And at the same time, it still can be funny, but you have to have the sense of humor to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I think people are divided, but I think we are looking at things like the Sean Spicer SNL stuff to unite us. Because even Republicans who know Sean Spicer thought it was great in comedy gold. Mm -hmm, And I think that hopefully we can find something where we could all laugh together.
0: Yeah, well, and so then also I have heard from you know the perennial complaint of why is Hillary Clinton not go away, thing. What what do you say to that? Um,
5: well, I think that there's a lot of layers to that. Some people say that she should go away for reasons that make a little bit more sense and are less sexist than other reasons. Yeah. But the point is, these people who have. Good, and bad motivations are agreeing, um, and so you have, to, you have to actually parse that. I think a lot of the people that want her to go away are kind of doing it for sexist reasons, but I think that there is a rational explanation for maybe needing a break from her. Well put. Thank you very much,
0: everybody. This is day 375 of President Trump's administration, and that's the State of America. Tonight, check out our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here tomorrow.